What is going on, man? Sources, baby. Wow. Sources are telling me this isn't even Twitter or X, as Lindy said. This is just text. His sources. That Nick Saban is retiring. The Alabama coach. Dominoes are falling, man. He's going to go on that dock he owns that's, like, supposed to be awesome and just he's going to go boating. That's what he's going to do. Good for him. I'm going to go boat with him. be kind of cool to boat with Nick Saban. You think he's going to the floor of Bama? Oh. You've been there. He'll be on the Bama side. Of course. You know, <laughs> he wouldn't even cross the uh, Florida side. Wouldn't that be funny? You just, you just roll up with this huge cooler full of beer. You're like, Nick. Lante, ready to get on the boat, man. Let's go. <laughs> Take your shirt off. And he's like, I don't know. Like, I didn't invite you. <laughs> but let's don't let the beer go to waste. Get on the boat. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we got to invite our guy, Aaron Lemming, to that event. I've got an imagination. Aaron Bear Report, Tapman's towing phone line. Aaron, what's up? I know you've been listening to an hour strong of <laughs> Bears talk, Ebers Flues, Poles, Kevin Warren. You still surviving oh, that? Ooh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I when when you guys called, Kevin Warren was still going on and on, and then I thought you guys were joking about the Nick Saban thing, and then I looked at my phone, and I was like, oh, you know, you guys are not joking. He retired. That's crazy. That is crazy. That is. I mean, you're talking about. I mean, just just the amount, and we still have. We, we still need to figure out what's going on with Bill Belichick. I mean, right. just the news over the last few days alone. I mean, Pete Carroll. Very clearly didn't want to quit coaching Seattle, but here he is. Yeah, that's, man, that's, that's crazy. That is. I had mentioned um, – I'll get to you about Kevin Warren. I mentioned that maybe Carroll – maybe that was mutual, that he'd want to get off the sideline, but are you hearing that he would actually rather still be coaching? Well, at least from – no, I haven't heard anything, but at least listening to him talk at his press conference today, he did not sound like a guy that wanted to be retiring gotcha. or moving moving into the into the booth. I mean, who knows? But it definitely didn't seem like – it seemed like the mutual decision was not really his decision to make. Yeah, it's hmm. funny. I was going to announce my retirement today from radio, but I don't want to – you know, now that, like, Nick Saban's <laughs> retired, I'm not going to try to match that, so I'm going to wait another day. So I'm going to work probably through the end of the week. Uh, there you Aaron, go. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going any <laughs> better. So um, let's talk about Kevin Warren and, the, and this Bears presser that, uh, that that is having today. A lot of news. I know Pipes is uh, chomping at the bit to get questions out to you, Aaron. But w- what what did you hear from Kevin Warren that, that would be worth regurgitating? You know, not really a whole lot. It, it sounds like, I mean, obviously one of the big things that he was brought in to do was get the stadium um, under control, and it sounds like that is not something that he's willing to talk on too much yet. Um, I would guess that we'll probably have some sort of update over the next few months. But really, I mean, he basically just talked about once a shovel goes into the ground, you know, 36 months later is when they're going to be playing there and that they're still having conversations with blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, just kind of some of the it, – it's the thing is, is after you listen to Ryan Poles and Matty Rafflew's talk for over an hour and then, you know, Kevin Warren's just kind of up there talking about the same thing. Really, the only thing that stood out to me that he said was he said that year three and he kept referring to the Rams about how – they had two losing seasons, and then, you know, the, the third season is when everything really kicked off with hmm. Dick Vermeil and whatever else. But he basically said that year three is going to be a critical year, which personally makes me a little bit nervous just because I, I – and I'm sure we'll get into all this, but if they're even talking about taking a quarterback at number one overall, you know, having a win-now mandate for a coach that you probably shouldn't have kept is a terrible idea, especially if you've got, 
yet another rookie quarterback, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, there's a, (laughs) there's a lot to digest, but there's just, it it just seems like we're going down the same path. We've seen the bears go down the last 10 or 15 years. I'm picturing Aaron Lemming sitting there and he looks down at the garbage can. There's six fireball shooters. And he's like, Oh my (laughs) gosh, I got to quit listening to this Kevin Warren stuff. (laughs) Uh, I've been to enough big 10 media days to very much relate to that. So, uh, Cheers to you, Aaron. Uh, let's start with the uh, good decision the Bears made because there's less of those that uh, through the years, so they're easy to, easier to highlight. But uh, getting rid of Luke Getze, um, I, I think it's, it's pretty much a consensus across Bears fans, Bears media that obviously didn't do a very good job uh, with Justin Fields and play calling and the system and whatnot. Uh, so, of course, it would have went hand-in-hand if you changed the head coach that his whole staff would most likely be changed and Luke Getzey wouldn't be there anyway, which we can talk about the Eberflus decision. But uh, on the positive note, I at least as a Bears fan, I'm excited that I will no longer watch an offense run by Luke Getzey. Uh, what say you on that front? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, I, I, and it's funny because I, I tweeted this out as a joke like two weeks ago um, when I, one of my buddies, Brad, basically it, it tweeted something out about, you know, who his favorite coaching candidate was for the Bears. And I said, well, you're going to get Eberflus back. Um, you know, Frank Reich is the offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, the quarterback drafted at number one, and you're going to like it. And it's like, it just it just feels like things are so predictable with the Bears, right? Where it just felt like all along, especially, you know, last time we talked, I mean, they just beat Detroit, and they had a four-game stretch where if they won those four games, there was a very good chance they'd have been in the playoffs. And that's exactly what it would have been if they'd have won those last four games, starting against Cleveland, which I was at that game, and I still cannot believe they blew that lead, where you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, you know, this is this team is, you know, on the right track, you know, in the playoffs, whatever the case may be. But unfortunately, outside of that Atlanta game, and I guess to a certain extent Arizona, although that was really the first half, I mean, the offense, man, it's just – I here here's what I will say, right, is – you look at that Green Bay game, and this is something that I've talked about extensively because I can't get it out of my head. The Carolina Panthers, right, over the last two games of the season, didn't score a single point, right? The, the game prior to those two games, they played the Green Bay Packers. They hung 30 points on the Packers' defense. What did the Bears go out and do? And I don't know if I call it a must-win game, but I, I think it was definitely a pride game, a game that they, they absolutely should have wanted to win and probably should have won had they come out and actually looked like a football team is they scored nine points. They had three field goals the entire game, and all of that progress that the you know the national media talked about with Justin Fields making all this progress went completely out the window because their offensive line couldn't block. They couldn't get a running game going. Everything was predictable. It's three and out, three and out, three and out. And you look at it, and it's just like, it, and I've said this for a while now, I mean, the, the Luke Getzey-Justin Fields marriage is not working. It didn't work from the very beginning. It, it and, and then the fact is, is Lou Getzey made adjustments at points. We saw it last year against New England. Lasted three weeks. He started reverting right back to the same thing. They open up the season this season. It's the same exact thing as it was last year. He makes a few adjustments, goes away from it. And I, and I think that's really what this comes down to is you brought in an offensive coordinator that thought he had Aaron Rodgers behind center where he could make, you know, make the quick throws, make the quick decisions, and you know, he could be basically anything he wanted him to be. That's never been Justin Fields' game. Very well said there. Yes. Uh, I do want to circle back to the Justin Fields conversation, of course, but uh, then to, to move it up and up a rung in terms of the head coaching decision, 
what did you make of of that one? I know that Ryan Poles said it was his decision, of course, to keep Eberflus. It was Eberflus's decision to get rid of Luke Getze. Did I wouldn't say surprised because anytime you're talking about the Bears, you can never maybe be too surprised, especially even if it's a decision you would disagree with. But did you feel like that there was enough of a clear lane there for the Bears that they should have gotten rid of Matt Eberflus? And uh, the fact that he's staying, what do you think that means? Yeah, I think there was absolutely a clear lane. And I think the reason that there was a clear lane is because of the situation around them, right? I mean, they've got a healthy amount of cap space moving into next year. They've got the number one overall pick. They've got the number nine overall pick. They've got a lot of draft capital. They would have been, bar none, without question, the most attractive job on the market without really much hesitation of even looking at another team. I mean, really, it, it, it was that. They had they had the world at their fingertips. And it's just one of those situations where, okay, yes, they, they went from you know three wins to seven wins. Cool, there was a four-game improvement that shouldn't be overlooked. But when you look at the quality of the wins that they had, they weren't great. They were two and twelve against playoff teams over the last two years. They had a at one point they had a four sorry it's either a thirteen or fourteen game losing streak. I'd have to go back and look. Combined between last year and this year, they blew three historic ten plus point fourth quarter leads. That is, they basically they tied an NFL record for the amount of leads that they blew in the fourth quarter. They didn't beat Green Bay one time this year. Not only did they not beat Green Bay, I mean, keep in mind it was an eight-point game on Sunday, but let's be real. I mean, that felt more like a three-score game than an eight-point game. Not only did they not beat Green Bay, they got out-coached and out-classed. And that's the issue is, okay, yes, you're making progress. I'm not going to discount any of that. I think the Bears can absolutely be a playoff team next year. But I think when you look at the trends that have happened with this team, it's kind of like the Cubs, right? And I, I know you guys are more probably Cardinals than anything, but with the Cubs, they've done it twice now. They had Rick Renneria. They went to Joe Madden. Yep. They had David Roth. This year, they go to Craig Council. It's like those are the kind of moves that teams that are actually interested in winning make. And unfortunately, you, you, what we saw, at least in my opinion, was a team that's still afraid to make the bold move. They're still – too emotional. I mean, there's been multiple reports about how, you know, Ryan Poles loves Matt Eberflus. Well, that's great. You can love him all you want, but the reality <laughs> of it is there was a lot of chaos that happened this year. They started off 0-4. Regardless of what the situations were or not, they dismissed two assistant coaches during the middle of the season. One of those supposedly resigned. The other one was dismissed for conduct, but I mean, it, there's it's been reported that both were dismissed for conduct. So, it's a situation where when you really add everything up, yes, there was progress. Yes, he kept the locker room together. But what about what happens on Sundays against good teams? Because how are you going to win a championship if you're 2-12 and 12 against teams that were in the playoffs? They were 1-7 they were and this year against teams of winning records. I mean, that kind of says it all right there, doesn't it? Wow. Wow. We beat Lon's Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, by the way. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Hey, Arizona finished strong. They did. Uh, that was actually, I was impressed. They, they, they finished strong. I think they're on the right track. I, I just, it's funny how I feel like both of our, well, I'm not going to put Aaron in the hour. I'm talking Piper and I, both of our organizations want Marvin Harrison Jr. And it's like, right now no, the Bears can control that. I do want Marvin Harrison Jr. I, I don't know where our organization stands. Right, exactly. Yeah. To follow that up, Aaron Lemming, first of all, our guest on the Bear, from the Bear Report on the Tapman's Towing phone line, does a great job covering the Bears. You can follow him on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. Let's get to Justin Fields, Aaron. I, I've planted my flag. I'm <laughs> I feel not like leaving. I need the drum roll here. I'm not 
you know, leaving, as he says, uh, Leo DiCaprio and uh, Wolf of Wall Street, um, unless I'm forced to leave. But uh, I want Justin Fields to be the quarterback of the Bears next year. Uh, I know people have hypothesized and tried to speculate it. Okay, if they make this move, that means Fields is either staying or going. If they do this, so that means that. I don't. We don't really know, I, I think. How have you evaluated the end of the season for Justin Fields and what you th- – I know you s- spoke to it earlier in your answer about it might seem dumb and backwards to put a win-now season with Matt Eberflus and then a rookie quarterback. Mm. Do you, should we read anything into that, do you think? Or is it the Bears and we kind of got to say this is probably what they should do, but anything could happen? It's, it's the Bears. I, there's not <laughs> Any logic goes out the window with this team. Really all it is is like we, we – we have a baseline for what should be done and what actually is done. So it's kind of one of those expect the expected is what I said earlier. Right. Like if, if you feel that the worst case scenario is going, probably going to be exactly what's going to happen. Right. So, <laughs> you know, it, I, here's the thing. I, anybody hypothesizing, whatever, that's fine. Anybody speaking in absolutes right now about the quarterback situation, it, it's nonsense. The, the bears don't know what they're going to do. Right. And it's like, yes, you know, you, you can't take Ryan polls at his word for everything, but this is a situation, and I, and I think some of what Ryan Pohl said today kind of, you know, kind of backs that up where, you know, he was asked, like, do you want to have a similar timeline to what you did last year in terms of do you want to be able to either, you know, decide that you're quarterback and or trade the, you know, trade the pick by the time free agency starts, you know, coming right out of the combine. He said, as far as I'm concerned right now, I'm taking this thing all the way into April. That tells me right there that they're going to be as calculated as possible with the decision that they're going to make. Because and this, this is, a, I'm a big Caleb Williams fan. I'm an Oklahoma fan, so I'm a big Caleb Williams. Fan. The time that he was at Oklahoma broke my heart when he left and went and followed Lincoln Riley. That's a whole another thing that I will not get into on this. It would not be it would be good. But either way, I, I I like I like Justin Fields. I think that. Justin Fields can be successful. My biggest hang-up right now, Justin Fields moving forward, is this is going to be his third offense in four years. And obviously you can make the same exact argument if he gets traded elsewhere. Sure. But I think what makes this situation so unique compared to anything else, if the Bears end up, ended up with a, you know the fourth or fifth pick in the draft, this isn't even a conversation. The thing is, they hold the top pick in the draft again, which means they hold all the cards of what they want to do. And I think that for Ryan Poles to come out of this draft and go into the season and Justin Fields fail this, this next year in 2024, I don't think you can come back from that. Having the number one overall pick twice in a row mm. and trading that out both times, it doesn't matter how much capital you build because the reality of it is if you don't have the quarterback, none of it matters. So I think that that's where the decision is going to come in, where it's going to be tough. Uh, I think with these draftable quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Drake May, you can throw in Daniels of that conversation if you want as well. I think a lot of it's going to come down to who are these people. I know that there's been a lot of speculation on Caleb Williams um, in terms of him being, you know, maybe not the greatest character. I personally, from what I've heard from people at Oklahoma that knew him, that talked to him, that talked to other people around him, that was not the case at Oklahoma. So obviously things can change. You go to LA, things change, whatever the case may be. Um, but I, I think as far as fields go, I think the inconsistency is the big thing, right? And, right. and it's it's going to be up to the Bears, uh, you know, within the front office and within the coaching staff to really dive in and look to see 
how much of that was Justin Fields and how much of that is Luke Getze? Because it's it's absolutely insane that we're sitting here coming out of year three and we still do not have a complete picture or evaluation on Justin Fields as a quarterback in the NFL. Wow. That's well said. That's good radio right there. Well said. I, I, if if Fields is back, how much money will the Bears have to spend free agency-wise, cap-wise? Well, so right now they're looking at, I think it was the last I checked, it was $62.5 million, okay. um, and that was before. You probably want to take, I don't know, probably about $10 million out of that just to get their roster up to the 51 limit, you know, with minimum right. contracts. But they also have, you know, that's the other thing, too, that Ryan Poles talked about today. He said, he flat out said, Jalen Johnson's not going anywhere. So you can count on whether it's a tag at $19 million or a new contract right around 18 to $20 million a year. You can count on him being back. Cody Whitehair knows he's gone. I, I think everybody knows Cody Whitehair's gone. The big decision is going to be with Eddie Jackson. But, I mean, if you cut mm. those two guys, that's almost $22 million right there. So they've got more than enough cap space. Uh, Ryan Poles also did not commit to a fifth-year option with Justin Fields today. Right. My gut says, and this is kind of where why I'm leaning in, in the direction of them drafting a quarterback, my gut says that they are not going to pick up the fifth-year option, although that doesn't need to be picked up until May. Um, and I do not I think the least likely scenario here is him signing some sort of extension because it's not going to be a team-friendly extension with his agent. I mean, that's been talked about multiple times. His, his agent represents a lot of the big quarterbacks. Uh, he's not settling on a team-friendly deal at $25, $30 million a year. That's not going to happen. If you're going to extend him, you're paying him as a top-five quarterback. And wow. even for as big of a wow. fan as you can be of Justin Fields, he's not even close to being a top-five quarterback. No, right now. So I think no. the, the, the financials are the financials. I think are going to be a big hang-up in this too because if you go with a rookie quarterback, you get that guy on a, on a rookie deal for the next four years in the fifth-year option. So it's like you have a lot more cap flexibility versus sure. – Let's just say you pick up his fifth-year option next year. That's uh, I think it was like 20, I want to say it's $24, $25 million. And then on top of that, you're going to be tacking on an extension of at least 40 to $45 million. I mean, it's, you're talking about a very big difference in, in future cap flexibility. Mm. Well said. I, I've got a clearer picture now of what the Bears are doing. Now i got more to think about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on the Caleb Williams side, by the way. Yeah. I'm on the reset the rookie I just think by year two, Williams will be as good as Fields is right now. Well, I yeah, think there's I the mean, possibility I, you give Justin better. Fields, Marvin Harrison Jr., and DJ Moore. Yeah, he'll be one of the breakout quarterbacks in the league because it. Well, I mean, as long as they get an offensive coordinator that knows how to scheme more than two targets open, that, I mean, that's, uh, that's be important. Been, I mean, you want to go back to Lou Getzey. I mean, that's been another issue right there. I mean, the, the target share of DJ Moore and Cole Komet versus the third option. It's it's almost comical. It's like you might as well have just had those two guys out there and not even talking about the route concepts and the fact that there was three guys running within a yard of each other ten yards down the field as they break off on routes on a pretty key third down situation. It's just <laughs> yeah, there there's a lot there. But yeah, no, I, I and that's the thing, is I, I think, you know, moving towards the offseason, receiver is gonna be big because Huge. obviously they have DJ Moore, but I mean I would be shocked if Darnell Mooney's back. I think that he's going to look at this as a situation of I'm going to go get six, seven, eight million dollars on a one-year deal elsewhere, like Kansas City, rebuild my value. Um, I, I think receiver is going to be big, but again, I mean, with having one and nine, you could easily go Caleb Williams or Drake May at one and turn around and, and go whether it's uh, you know Malik Neighbors or uh, Roma Dunze uh, at nine. I mean, you could go either one, but I will say this. 
and I'm probably talking way too much, but I will say this. I think with, <laughs> with Matt Eberflus back, I would be shocked if the Bears win. You know, if they go quarterback, I think the next one's going to be, you know, a, a three technique or, a, you know, a defensive end, which is kind of a bummer because, frankly, if you look at the amount of resources they've spent in the last two off seasons, a lot of that's gone towards the defense already. Hmm. Great stuff from Aaron Lemming. I could go another half hour, I, but unfortunately, I can't. We appreciate you <laughs> on a busy day when you got the the press conferences that you got to watch and, and follow. I'm sure you got to write about uh, taking some time to visit with us. So I, we'll probably catch up with you again. It's going to be an eventful and oh. fascinating offseason for the Bears. The first domino falls today, that being Luke Getze, and of course, Matt Eberflus staying. We appreciate your insights, and uh, we'll have more as we push towards the, the draft combine and whenever a decision is made on Justin Fields. So uh, thank you, my friend. You do a great job, and uh, we're always glad to have you on the airwaves. Amen. Absolutely, yeah. We'll we'll get into the fun part of the Bears season, which is the off season. Hopefully, yeah. that'll change next year, but we'll see. Let's go. No doubt. <laughs> Thanks, right, Aaron. Aaron. I appreciate you. Oh All man, right. Aaron Lemming, Bear Report, joining us on the Tapman's Towing phone line. Good stuff, as always. He's from a him. good Twitter follow too. No doubt. I mean, I I enjoy it. I, it's informative, and I'm not even a Bears fan. So if you're a Bears fan out there, what is it at Aaron Lemming NFL? NFL and yes. it's one M in the Lemming. It throws yeah. me off every time. There you go. I want to call him Lemming. (laughs) (laughs) We are due for a break so we can get back on the horn. Tapman's towing phone line. We're going to be joined by Stephen Brooks to talk Illinois and Michigan State tomorrow night. Look forward to that one as well. Stick with us. This is The Drive. Since Busey Bank first opened our doors in 1868, we have built upon a tradition of close relationships and broad financial capabilities. Our experienced team provides the highest level of personalized service to ensure we accomplish your goals, simplifying your wealth management and business lending needs, and ensuring a legacy for generations. Building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC. Thank you for choosing two men in a truck. How may I help you? Hi, I have a strange question. What happens if it snows on moving day? I don't want my furniture to get wet and destroyed. Well, that's not strange at all. We have the same concerns for your furniture. With over 9 million moves completed, our team is experienced to handle any weather conditions. Because we pad and stretch wrap your furniture before we put it on the truck, we'll make sure your belongings are safe and dry no matter what the forecast says. Not sure how your move is going to work? Go to twomenandatruck.com for your free estimate. Did you know the Anita Purvis Nature Center is a home for live animals? Stop by the Nature Center. View the turtles, owls, snakes, and salamanders. These were orphaned or injured animals who wouldn't be able to survive in the wild, but they help educate the public at the Nature Center. Sponsor an educational animal for as little as $15 a month and make sure that animal has good food, housing, and medical care. For details, visit urbanaparks.org. Short-term market fluctuations can be unnerving for everyone. A proven way to tune out the noise and focus on long-term investment goals is to adhere to a well-constructed investment plan. This is Eric Bowen with Provident Financial Group. If you don't have a plan in place, we can help create one designed specifically for you. Call us today for a complimentary consultation. Contact us at 217-366-3456 or find us online at ProvidentFinancialGroupLLC.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. 
So when was the last time you saw a best deal guarantee? You mean a promise that actually held up? Right. That some unknown online entity didn't want you to log in and download a code and then re-verify as you join some club? Drives you nuts, I know. And then once you purchase that set of steak knives? Well, Dick Van Dyke Appliance World is a lot simpler. You find a verified great deal and they beat it. Just show them the deal you saw. A newspaper clipping or the online cart price will do, and then you're good. At Dick Van Dyke Appliance World, it's one of those instances where you see a best deal guarantee and... You get the best deal. This is Dennis Rekin, chairman of Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. Our exclusive 10-year protection plan comes free with most appliance purchases. Whether it's a GE, Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Bosch, or any of our 30 brands, I guarantee we will beat any competitor's deal. Wow! Back on the drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Good discussion with Aaron Lemming last segment, talking Bears. Yes. To get some mentions of Kevin Warren in there. <laughs> I'm excited that we can talk. Your head was spinning yeah. when he started talking about fields and that contract. Uh, yeah, mm. a little bit. Top five money for him, now. Oh, mm. man. No, thank you. <laughs> but um, – we can transition back to the Big Ten and not talk Kevin Warren. We can talk Illinois and Michigan State. We're going to do so now on the Tapman's Towing phone line. Stephen Brooks from Spartan Tailgate, the 24-7 site for the MSU Spartans, joining us now. Stephen, how you doing? Thanks for joining the show. Doing well. Thanks for having me, man. Illinois-MSU, they've had some good battles through the years. Of course, MSU always seemingly towards the top of the league. Uh, Illinois, the last few years, has been in that realm as well. Uh MSU coming off a, a loss at Northwestern where they, they kind of got punked, and I know Tom wasn't all too thrilled in, in the post game. <laughs> uh, Illinois also coming off a loss there in West Lafayette, but uh, just kind of as a, a precursor to tomorrow night's action here in Champaign, 8 p.m., what do you what, what do you think the mindset is of this Spartans team, maybe how they'll handle Tom's post postgame comments and just him being pretty displeased with what they showed in Evanston? Yeah, they they do typically respond pretty well to those challenges. Um, but I mean, my gosh, going to Illinois at a, at a late game like that um, with Illinois coming off a loss, I mean that's that's not a recipe for a get right situation <laughs> either by any means. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they've they've been way more inconsistent than I think a team with this uh, collective experience should be. Hmm. You know, I'd like to just be able to say like, oh yeah, they got enough veterans, they got enough seniors, they're going to go down there. And, you know, they're going to respond to what Izzo said and then they'll figure it out. But I can't confidently say that by any stretch. Uh, they haven't won a Big Ten game on the road yet. So, and, and obviously Illinois is one of the one of the best uh, road environment, you know, home environments, I should say, sure. um, in the conference. So that's, uh, you know, it's, it's a hard team to really um, pin down right now, just given 
you know, they were playing some of their best basketball, won five in a row, but um, come right back in a Big Ten play and, and split these first two with Penn State and Northwestern. It's like, huh, you know, it, it's a weird team uh, so far to gauge. And yeah. like I said, I think, you know, as old as they are, it, it's perplexing. Stephen, on that note, as a follow-up, kind of to zoom out here, as a team that was project, projected and, and ranked in the preseason AP poll in the, in the top five, I know some around the league maybe thought, okay, uh, maybe a, a tad high just based on kind of where they finished regular season-wise last year, but they did go on a nice run to Sweet 16, very well could have beaten Kansas State and advanced to the Elite Eight. But uh, is there something other than Joey Hauser? I, I think that's maybe one thing that – He was huge last year. That people have – become to appreciate even more is, is that piece is is it bigger than just joey hauser is gone if so how so and then also like how, how much is this showing what Josie, joey hauser meant last year definitely uh you know they, they've been missing hauser because that's been one of the clear weaknesses i mean i was i uh, i thought all the hype that they got in the offseason was justified about i thought this would be one of his best teams in quite a while um because I thought all the pieces were there, and I just put so much stock in experience in college basketball. I used to cover Mike Bray. He used to say, get old, stay old. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is the ultimate you know, example of that. Uh, and guys that have done stuff. But anyway, I'm getting off course. So they definitely missed the spacing that Joey Hauser provided. Uh, I mean, a high 40s, three-point shooter himself, uh, you know, making two or three a game. Like this over the course of the season, that really matters. Um, and they don't. That, that's one of the weaknesses that we've seen play out this year. I don't. I think they're about a shooter short. Um, they have some good ones, uh, and guys that haven't shot their best yet. Like Jade Nakins is a really good shooter who hasn't hasn't really played up to his potential yet this season. Um, that's been another thing that's been a bit of a hiccup. Um, Tyson Walker has been very very steady for him. Uh, Malik Hall, their fifth year senior power forward. You know he's been very up and down. Mm-hmm. Uh, had two great games in a row. You know over 20 points and, and then went over across the board basically in 20-some minutes, uh, I believe it was, against Northwestern. So he's, he's a bit of an enigma where he'll show up and have a monster game, and then he'll just kind of hide back in the shadows for like two weeks, and then he'll pop up again randomly and have another dominant night, <laughs> and then, you know, you don't see him for another three games. So there's been that. And then the last thing is uh, the big men. You know, they're still, uh, you know, last year was an issue. It's still an issue this year with the same personnel, basically. They're not getting much out of their bigs. Um, at least not with any consistency. I mean, there will be a flash here or there, but they're not really – they haven't been a great rebounding team at that position. Uh, they're getting basically no, like, real offensive production from those guys. And uh, they just brought – I should note to your listeners, they just brought Jackson Kohler back, who's a sophomore, just played his first game of the season at Northwestern, just one little three-minute shift. Uh, he had a foot injury before the year. Um and is a back to the um, back to the basket down low post scoring uh, forward. He's a little undersized, like six eight, six nine, but he's got a really deep bag of tricks and all sorts of like eighties post moves that you don't see anymore. Um, so he'll he'll probably play a little more, uh, just to note that he'll be back out there. I don't think he's going to be a guy that changes the course of the season, but he is going to change the way they look for a little bit here in the short term. I think. So I just want to point that out. So you're telling me tomorrow at one point I'm going to be like, man, that was Kevin McHale right there. <laughs> exactly exactly you do hear that a lot yeah no, it's really fun to watch <laughs> that's that's pretty neat bringing the old school game back Stephen brooks covers michigan state for spartan tailgate i want to wheel back around to malik hall and i'm with you like in terms of like the up and down i know last year he battled some injuries and um and that's uh, how much has that affected michigan state's success because he maybe hasn't 
turned out as good as maybe a lot of people thought when he got to Michigan State. Am I on the right path there, or has he been maybe has he reached potential? Um, I think I, I think he's probably reached his potential, but it's the consistency aspect. Right, so, I mean, right. those things play off each other, of course. But like at his best, he is a really good player, but it's, it's never been consistent. Um, it's like every five or six games, like he'll have, have a big night. And you're like, okay. And because he can do so many things is the thing, too. You know, he's about 6'8 or whatever. He can, he'll can, he take the ball down the post up, he'll co-op dribble. He can make a three every once, you know, at a decent enough clip. Like, he can do so many things. He should be a, a much more effective rebounder probably than he is. He can pass. Like, you see, he'll pop up for these big games. And you're like, man, okay. Like, theoretically, it should all come together at some point, right? And he can right. do all these multidimensional things almost all the time, but it just hasn't happened. I was just on another show before I joined you guys. It's like, you know, it's uh, I think in Michigan State circles, it's been a topic for so long. It's like, is this the breakout year from Lee Hall? Is this the breakout year? And like, look, guys, like, as a fifth-year senior, I think he just is what he is at this point. He's going to give you a big game every now and then, but you really just hope for that baseline of like a, if you could just count on him for like 12 and 6, you know, every single night. Right. You can't have him go over across the board and uh, I guess it was 25 minutes here. Uh, Northwestern, you cannot have that as a senior. So I mean, it, that's part of it because like he could have, if he had that Joey Hauser final season, oh. uh, they'd be in a different spot. You sure. know, he's a better defender. If he could be a little bit of what Joey Hauser gave him as a three point shooter with the spacing and, and all that 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 would provide, that would be a big thing. Because yeah, uh, there were there was room for him to expand his game coming into this year and to take on a little bit of what Joey did, and that, they'd be in a different spot uh, if he was. If he was giving him more of that shooting from that position, and I don't want to paint it all on him like he's oh, sure, that sure. had this year, but but yeah, he could have uh, you know if he would have had the the Hauser type of final season, uh, I think we'd be talking way different. Stephen Xavier Booker came in as a, a top notch, top ten, five star caliber guy. Now I know anybody that's familiar with the Big Ten knows that, especially on veteran teams, it can be hard for a freshman to crack a rotation, establish a consistent role, but. Uh, especially with the front court issues or, or just lack of depth maybe there for, for Michigan State. I I think some probably forecasted him being able to, to break into this thing easier than he had. What have you seen as far as his lack of overall impact so far? Do you think that will change down the stretch of this season or is this going to be one where it's kind of going to be spot minutes and, and try to figure it out? Maybe he'll expand a lot more as a sophomore. Yeah, I think it even goes back to, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, uh, I just think the recruiting service industry, you know, I think we're all a little bit to blame. I, I just don't think Xavier was as polished coming out of high school as the rankings indicated. You know, I think he did. I don't think that did him any favors, to be honest. Because when you see top 10, five-star McDonald's All-American, like, you think like, oh, man, we're getting Anthony Davis. You know, we're getting right, right. whoever. Uh, we're going to get an immediate impact at Jaron Jackson, you know, over here in Michigan State. So I'm like, oh, we're getting another Jaron Jackson. Awesome. Like, no, no, if you, if you really like it, was never going to be like that. And I, you know, people around here who do this stuff, uh, you know, we're like, no, like, you know, slow your horses a little bit on that one. And it's really panned out that way. Not to pat myself on the back, but just Xavier just he, – he's lacking some strength. Um, you see some of the skill, Absolutely. And the the guy can run like a deer. He's, he's very athletic. He can he can jump. You know, I mean, he has all the physical tools. Not all, but he has a lot of very physical, very impressive physical tools. You see his skill. Um, he'll come right off the come right off the bench, come in the game and splash a three. It doesn't hit the rim. You know, he has a lot to him, but he's just he's lacking strength. He's so slight. 
I mean, I've seen guards in practice uh, just throw him around, you know, going after mm. loose balls and stuff. It's, and so you know that stuff isn't going to fly over time. And so, um, <laughs> defensively, he, he's just he's not as fleet of foot. I think they've been playing him a lot to four too, but it's a conundrum because he's, I don't think he's quick enough to guard fours, but he's not strong enough to guard fives. And you got to guard something again if you're going to get minutes for Tom Izzo. So you know they're working through it. He's addressed it a lot. Um, they're everybody knows. You know, it's not an elephant in the room. Everybody sort of gets like it's a weird deal with his hype and you know what he's making off the court, you know, and everything. And for him to not really be a factor, uh, I still think there's going to be like a game this year. To your other point, like I think he's going to come in and like hit three threes, and everyone's going to love him, you know, and I think he's going to be the next big thing again. Um, but I don't, I don't know if we're talking about a consistent role player, um, rotation guy through the rest of the year, to be honest. I mean, he'd have to make quite a few, quite a bit of distance up, I think. Um, or just become, you know, like I said, become that reliable shooter. Maybe that would probably be his ticket if he could just come in and hit a couple threes for him a game, I guess. But I think at best you're looking at like by the end of the year, he's playing like two shifts a game and like four minutes a pop. Kind of like that's how Xavier Tillman finished his freshman year after not really playing much. He was kind of in and out. You'd see him and you wouldn't see him. Completely different players, of course, but like he finished that season right about there and, uh, and parlayed it into a big second year. A few more minutes with Stephen Brooks on the Tapman's towing phone line. Tyson Walker's had a huge year. Uh, I know you mentioned that and the results have panned out as far as prior to Northwestern. They're playing some really good basketball, blew out Baylor, uh, of course, uh, a less caliber team in Penn State, but still uh, a Big Ten game that they were able to, to be in control of and win by maybe close to 30. Uh, but outside of Walker, had they recently been getting enough help from Hogard and Jaden Akins? Is that something that, that played into them playing a lot better, uh, Baylor and on? Or is that still something that they're kind of seeking more from that that duo next to Tyson Walker? Yeah, it's definitely improving, um, but it's definitely that was definitely part of what fueled that winning streak there. Um, I don't. I want to say you know, it's not a done, it's not a finished product. They can definitely still get more out of Jake Nakins. I think especially on the defensive end, when he's really dialed in and, and really on the ball, he's he's very very good uh, defensively. But you know, he's had some offensive struggles, and, and like most guys, you know that that's affected his defense a little bit. Uh, AJ Hogard, after a rough like, a little, I don't even want to say rough, but just like a kind of puzzling like first two or three weeks of the season he has been a lot more dialed in uh, he did get benched at one point as a senior returning starter which you know that sends a message and uh so basically since early december um i think he's been on a much more consistent path and that has absolutely made a difference uh you know tyson's pretty much scored 20 a game um he's went to for 35 and they lost to james madison I mean, he's He's given them everything uh, that that he basically needs to as a scorer. But those other guys, yeah, they they filled in the gaps nicely. Still needs to be more consistent. Like I said, there's still more room for each of those guys to play better alongside him. But that's absolutely uh, a major factor that that helped them turn that corner in December there and pick up some of those wins. Stephen, my last question relates to the the big man, like you talked about, and I'm sure you've heard a lot about it. Not only from Michigan State fans, but but people around the Big Ten kind of evaluating, and I'll, I'll say it, like, with what Michigan State has in its guard play, with what appeal they have as a program, you'd think they'd be able to go out in the transfer portal and probably get uh, a really quality, if not big-time, center to go with those guys. And uh, instead, Tom Izzo's ridden with Matty Sissoko and, and, and Cooper and uh, Jackson Kohler, which – 
Uh, to his credit, they, he took a team to the Sweet 16 last sure. year and was on the doorstep of an Elite Eight. But uh, I think on the whole over the last three seasons in terms of the regular season success and, and being middle, you know, close to 500 in the Big Ten, a little bit above, are are the natives getting restless as far as that approach? Uh, and are they are they blaming Tom for some of the, the shortcomings as far as that go? Well, how, how is that playing out right now? I know that there's still a lot of basketball to, to be figured out the last couple months of the season and, and where this team will ultimately end up. But uh, internally or, or just close to home, how do you feel like that's being perceived? Yeah, definitely some restlessness. And there has been for a while. Um, you know, I mean, for this program, yeah, for last last season to finally be that, you know, they've been a couple of years since they even made the second weekend. And that was People are antsy about that. I mean, the expectations are extremely high. So, yeah, there's there's grumbling uh, about Izzo's portal stance and uh, this whole situation. You know, and there's some irony, of course, because the best two players he's had since Cassius Winston are both transfers and Joey Hauser and Tyson Walker. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, people absolutely, absolutely he gets criticized within the fan base for that. Um, you know, uh, I think he kind of he's kind of had a blind spot for Mati Sissoko and it always felt like, you know, the staff, they always thought that he was going to turn that corner. Uh, had some good moments last year. Had some good moments this year, but it, it's only ever a moment. Uh, Cooper was a really nice find by them. Only had, like, low major offers. Signed him in the late period and really had a nice finish to the season where his trajectory, you were like, whoa. You know, he's got legit size, uh, can move really well. So you're like, wow, maybe they, maybe they found a diamond in the rough here. They can develop him. But he's kind of plateaued in year two. Um, and then Kohler, like I said, is undersized, offensive guy. Um, you know, it's a really creative, uh, really fun to watch game, but you know, is not known as a strong defender. Um, so you know, it kind of has a ceiling there for what he can be. And so, yeah, people have, you know, people have not been happy that he stood pat. He has his reasons. Um, you know, he thinks if he would have got, would have got a guy, he would have lost a guy, and he'll still tell you that the reason that some of these Big Ten teams are dropping games that make you scratch your head, or even beyond the Big Ten. You know, he'll say it's team chemistry and, and things like that uh, from all these transfers coming in and out. So uh, we'll have to see. But if, if they go another year here, especially squandering their early expectations and just having all this experience that, I, like I mentioned earlier, I still think that wins. You know, I think experience in college basketball is, is probably the best currency you can have, quite honestly, sure. unless we're talking like lotto picks, I guess. But the experience and to just to not make something of this team and to just sort of be off to this middling start. You know, coming off a rough football season, this is not the uh, reprieve people uh, thought they were signing up for. So, yeah, absolutely, there's some restlessness. There's some feelings like, you know, obviously it's toward the end of it, though. It's like, is he going to make that last day of run? Uh, they got the five-star. Okay, we're back. Oh, wait, he doesn't even play. Oh, we're not that. You know, there's there's, there's definitely some restlessness, uh, I would say. There's definitely still appreciation. You know, it's not uh, um, antagonistic or anything, I don't think. It's not, it hasn't gotten to a bad point, but... For sure, within the folks who who live and breathe this stuff and follow it, you know, there's some, um, like I said, some frustration. Sure. I think about the approach and you feel like, because uh, that's the thing, they want him to get another title just as much as they want it. You know, they want Izzo to leave on top and to have this all come to storybook ending. But there, you know, there's fears that it's not going to happen, and there's obviously disagreements about how, you know, this last stretch of his era should go down. Stephen Brooks, great Good stuff. stuff. Spartan tailgate. Follow him on Twitter, Stephen M underscore Brooks. Really appreciate your time today on the Spart or on the Tapman's towing phone line. The Spartans almost sponsored that thing, <laughs> right. uh, but we've been talking Spartans the last twenty minutes. And 
it was great to break it all down. Uh, appreciate you hitting all the angles and, and getting us ready for what should be a really good basketball game tomorrow night, 8 p.m. in Champaign. Let's go. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again. Steven Brooks. I thought tailgate. we had him on for so long. I was going to ask him about, uh, is it Kevin Wig- Wigginton, the guard or whatever? Uh, I'm talking football here. Mm-hmm. That Illinois got from Michigan That's State. Right. I was going right. to, and then wasn't, uh, man, you can tell I'm not, I'm totally out of football now. Was it, is it Warren or Dennis or whoever the big recruit was? Uh, he AJ was, Dennis. AJ Dennis. He was going to Michigan State and then. I think not when, to be confused with Ray J. Dennis. Well, right. <laughs> hey, we got one of the Dennises. That's good news. Yeah. Well, we got to catch one of the breaks because we got it. a lot of commercials. Um, we'll come back and finish up the show. This is The Drive. I'm Dr. Jaya Wadawan, and I'm a pediatrician with OSF Healthcare. RSV is respiratory syncytial virus, and it's very common in um, pediatric patients, especially in the age group of less than two years old. In RSV, some symptoms to watch for is um, fever, cough, wheezing, any difficulty breathing, decrease in appetite. So with COVID and RSV, it's difficult to differentiate the symptoms and the presentation of each. The best thing to do is go to your provider and get a swab for both COVID and RSV. Older people can get it. It presents more of an upper respiratory infection. However, in the pediatric population, it presents more in the lower respiratory tract, which causes more of severe symptoms. Treatment includes supportive care for fever, so that includes Motrin and Tylenol. And if they need further respiratory support, that would include some oxygen support and nebulization. Visit the website osfhealthcare.com I'm Justin Ike, co-owner of Fred's Plumbing, Heating, Air Conditioning, Electric, and Underground. So, Justin, tell me what you see as typical when it comes to sewer repair. Give me a scenario. Your sewer's backed up and somebody comes along and says, you need this repair for X amount of dollars. Here's my price. And you don't think to go looking for another company or a second opinion because you don't feel like you have time. So is it possible that you might get charged a little more because it's kind of a desperate moment? Do some companies do that? Oh, absolutely they will. They know you're in a pinch. Typically, if you call us, me or Will can be out there within an hour to look at that problem for you. Whether you call me first or you call me second, make sure you give me a call. Anything else, Justin? You can always trust Fred's. Great to know. Thank you. That's Justin Ike, the co-owner of Fred's Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, Electric, and Underground. If you want more information about this great 45-year family-owned company, just go to fredscu.com. That's fredscu.com. First Federal Savings Bank of Champaign-Urbana invested in our community since 1908. Before you buy your home in 2024, we invite you to speak with one of our experienced lenders, Jack, Jim, Kim, or Lane. Experience the convenience of working with a local lender with local service, decisions, and loan underwriting in our comfortable offices. Visit us to experience the exceptional friendly service from our knowledgeable staff. Hey, if you're not already banking with us, give us a try. We think you'll love it here. We do. 356bank.com, First Federal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS. Get the roof your home deserves by Roof Doctors, your residential roofing specialist that has always offered the best warranties in the industry, like our non-prorated 50-year warranty. Our customers love that we are family-owned and locally operated. We make our customer needs our top priority. With over 30 years' experience and the best customer service, give Roof Doctors a call today for your free estimate at 328-7529. In your community and for your community, Roof Doctors.
Hey, where are you headed? To Kelsey Furniture in Tuscola. What do they have there? What don't they have there? Living room furniture, benches, chests, love seats, sectionals, tables, bedroom sets, hutches, nightstands, end tables, cabinets, mirrors, stools, clocks, lamps, pillows, rugs, desks, media consoles, patio furniture, Tempur-Pedic mattresses, and more. So, everything. Yeah, probably could have uh, just said that. Kelsey Furniture, quality for less. You've changed thousands of diapers, played hours of peekaboo and duck duck goose because you'd do anything for your kids. That's why it's so important to protect them with life insurance from State Farm. State Farm agent Kurt Lenschow will help make it easy and affordable to help you protect your family no matter what the future holds. Because for the people you do anything for, life insurance could mean everything. Call State Farm agent Kurt Lenschow in Champaign-Urbana today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome to Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. Hi, I'm looking for a refrigerator. When you buy from us, you get the whole store. Oh, yeah, well, I just need a refrigerator. Don't need the whole store. But you get it, the whole store. My kitchen is only about this big. You get me. Hello. All those delivery, installation, and service technicians in back. Wow, all those people? The Dick Van Dyke 510 year protection plan, which means in the unlikely event something goes wrong in the first five years, your repair cost is nothing. Nothing? 10 years parts coverage on the major components. Looks like I'm getting more than the refrigerator today. Um, how much does this whole store cost? Nothing. Come on. For real. We guarantee to beat any competitor's deal, all that other stuff we talked about, like our service tax. And your 510-year protection plan. All included. I'm Dennis Freak and chairman of Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. And when we say you get the whole store, we mean the whole store. Wow. Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. When you buy from us, you get the whole Hi, I'm Tyler Weaver, president of Carpet Weaver's Flooring and Furniture Gallery. Take a look around your home. Is it finally ready for some much-needed updates? If you don't know where to start, then just meet with one of our experts. We'll help you find the perfect waterproof plank floor for your kitchen or that stain-resistant, super-soft carpet for your bedroom. Finish your room update with a custom sofa and chairs or choose a trendy, in-stock dining set that's priced right. Come home to Carpet Weaver's, where floors, furniture, and family meet. Illini fans, this year we celebrate the 100th anniversary of Memorial Stadium for the 2024 Fighting Illini football season. Join us in Memorial Stadium as we honor 100 years of tradition and continue to create memories for the future. Season tickets for the 2024 football season are on sale now. Secure your season tickets for homecoming, Dad's Day, and a special rededication of Memorial Stadium on October 19th. Experience more cherished moments in Memorial Stadium this season and lock in your tickets today at FightingIllini.com. 